0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, Today, God willing, we're going to continue the the three-part series that we began last week, speaking about spiritual exile. Um, And if you remember, the idea of spiritual exile is that our home is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven, and yet we are separated from this home. We We are not living in this home. We are living somewhere else, which is here on the earth. And that we are looking back with longing eyes, wanting to go to our home, wanting to be in the the place that God has created for us to be, to be with Him, to be in communion with Him. And that while we are living here in our sojourn in this place, it is like an exile. It's like we are living far away from our home. and, And that the rules that govern this place that we are in today is not the same as the rules that govern our home. And that because we are citizens of heaven, that even as we live here in this place, The rules of this place should not govern us the the values of this place should not govern us what should be governing us is the the rules of heaven, because we are citizens of heaven. And today we read um, in the gospel the famous passage about feeding of the 5000 men where Christ um, multiplied the loaves and the fish. To feed a large number of people when we read, but when the multitude knew it, they followed him and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. So Christ used this situation, this miracle that he did as a way to speak about the kingdom of God. Actually, everything that Christ did was speaking about the kingdom of God. Every time he healed someone, everyone, he spoke to someone, every time that he did anything He gave any sermon or he performed any miracle or he went to any place. Anytime he did anything, it wasn't to promote this world. It wasn't to to indulge in this world. It wasn't to elevate or, or celebrate in any way this world that we are in. But it was to celebrate heaven. It was to remind people of heaven. It was to remind people that there is a place other than this place that we are in. And that that place is a place that we are all traveling to. Imagine that we are all traveling on the road, right? We're all traveling on the road and we all have a destination and that destination is heaven. And and that while maybe sometimes instead of continuing on that road, we set up camp and we, we just camp out and we forget that we're, we're traveling, that we're on a journey and we spend days and weeks and years maybe just kind of hanging around, not traveling, right? Christ came to remind us that we are traveling, that we should be traveling, that we shouldn't just stop traveling And be content with this place that we are here. And so he always reminded us of heaven. He always spoke of heaven. Everything that he did was revolving around heaven. Okay. So um, God willing today. um, We're going to continue speaking about the spiritual exile. And to remind ourselves that we are citizens of heaven. We're going to look at different examples from the Old Testament. Of those people who lived as though they were in heaven. Even while they were on earth. And that their lives, their obedience, their example, remind us of what it means to be citizens of heaven. Okay? First very famous example of someone who lived as a citizen of heaven, and even while he was in, in an exile, a spiritual exile here on earth, is, is Abram or Abraham. Okay? He was asked by God to leave his home. Right? He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is in the region of Babylon, who was asked to travel a very 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 far distance to go to the land of Canaan which is the promised land so that God would tell him that he uh, or his descendants would inherit this land okay this was the land that his his descendants would inherit and so abram out of his faith was was willing to leave his family what was was willing to leave what was comfortable and familiar to him in order to travel to a faraway distant land that he had never seen before, right? And that was his whole life. Like, like you know, like, like that wasn't a small move. That wasn't a small change. Like that was a life-changing event. That was something that Abram was willing to do based completely on the, the, the request of God, right? And we read about Abram and his life, right? As Abram was... You know, on his journey, as Abram was living in his life in this sojourn, in this exile, so to speak. We read in Genesis 15, where God is speaking and says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. We ask ourselves, what is our reward? What does it mean to have a reward? We, we look at all kinds of different things in our life as reward, Right. The reward is what we expect to receive, right? Maybe after a long life or after hard work or after whatever it is, right? Sometimes we look for financial reward, you know, after um, a long time studying and going to school and working and having experience, we hope that at some point we can be financially successful, right? This is a reward. We we hope that we can um, be married. We hope that we can have children. We hope that, you know, um, we can have certain things. We, we hope that we can experience certain things. We hope that we could have good health. We, we look to all these rewards. We look to all these rewards that we would receive from the world um, as a result of our actions, as a result of the, the choices that we've made. Here, God was saying to Abram, you're not necessarily going to receive any reward in this life because actually even the promise that God had made to Abram for him to be the father of many nations and for his descendants to inherit the promised land. None of these things Abram even experienced in his own life, right? He didn't see any of these things in his own life. It was simply a promise that was given to him that Abram believed by faith that it would come to pass in the future and that Abram wouldn't see. So what was the reward of God, of, of Abram? What was, his, what was his reward? His reward wasn't financial. His reward wasn't these many descendants that, um, that he, he would never really see on earth, right? God says here, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. He's saying, if you leave what is comfortable, if you leave your familiar life, if you're willing to take a leap of faith, step out of that familiar and to come into a life that I have prepared for you, to go to the place that I've asked you to go, even though I haven't explained to you what's there or what how all the details of all this plan is going to work out. If you're willing to do this, right? Then, 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 then God will be his exceedingly great reward. And this says something about what kind of reward we're really seeking out, what kind of reward we're looking for. If we are looking for an earthly reward, then we will do earthly things to achieve that earthly reward. And we will find ourselves more and more entrenched in this world, right? The, the more desire we have here, the more desire for reward that we have here, the more entrenched we will be here. And the harder it will be for us to see beyond. It's harder for me to see beyond because I I have a difficult time seeing past the immediate rewards that I'm seeking, right? So the more I, I care about this life, about the rewards that are in this life, the harder it is for me to understand the reward of God. What does it mean that God is our exceedingly great reward? What does that mean? That I'm content simply in my life because God is with me. Right. That I'm that I'm I'm content simply because I'm in the presence of God. When you think about what heaven is, because we are citizens of heaven. That is heaven. That is what heaven is. The, the definition of heaven. Right. Is this is the place where God dwells. Right. So 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 for us to, you know, in, in heaven, we will not have any other rewards but him. We will not have financial rewards. We will not have, you know, any other experiences. We, we will not have anything. Our our entire um reward. Aren't the, the reason that heaven is good is because of God's presence there, right? Not because of any other thing. Right? So if, if if God's presence in heaven is what makes it heaven, is what makes it desirable, is what makes it someplace that I want to be, right? Here God is saying I that, that Abram can have this experience even while on earth, that you will be rewarded with my presence, right? And so God asks us to do the same. He asks us to detach from the comforts. He asks us from, to detach our desires from the earthly desires, the earthly rewards that we are seeking, such so that we can embrace the heavenly reward, so that we can embrace the heavenly life, so that we can truly understand what it means to have a relationship with God. And this is very important because oftentimes we try to do both. you know. And, and when Christ was saying you cannot serve both God and mammon, when he was speaking about those who love money, right? You can extrapolate this love of money, maybe generalize it some more and beyond just money and say, well, you can't love the world and and love God at the same time, right? Because if you love the world, you wanna stay camped out, right? On that road, you're not gonna travel because it's much more comfortable to, to just find a nice spot and settle down, right? That's more comfortable. But if you love God, you will not settle down you will keep traveling and traveling and traveling until you get to your destination, right? In that case, that we will experience the reward of God, right? So this is, this is what Abram shows us. He shows us someone who is willing to leave behind the familiar, who is leaving the earth behind, leaving the, the expectations of what his life would be behind in order to reap this heavenly reward of God's presence. And this is truly, if we are really seeking heaven, we are really seeking to be with God this is should be what we are content with this is our reward that we are with God and that we are filled with God at all times okay another example of someone who shows us what it means to be a citizen of heaven as uh, someone who is in spiritual exile is Joseph Joseph the righteous right so Joseph uh was uh, despised by his older brothers He was sold as a slave uh, to an Egyptian and he was left for dead. Um, And, and, you know, Joseph, he had to endure great hardship all the while while remaining faithful to God. And Joseph is an example of someone who lived in in, in a lot of uncertainty, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And, And maybe we can identify with Joseph because we've gone through difficult times and we have a lot of uncertainty. And we can't understand how any of the trials that we face have any good in them how there is anything good at the end of this of this trial that we experience or sequence of trials that we experience why is there anything good at all at the end of this how is god even possibly using this for my good because he certainly hasn't revealed it to me i don't know how it could be good and if we look at some of these greatest examples of people that have endured hardship uncertainty, um, like Joseph, like Job, right? God does not reveal from the beginning how long will this trial will last, why the trial is there, because the greatest benefit that we have from the trial and the growing of our faith is simply because we don't know the answers to these questions, right? We trust in God's character. We trust that God will do what he said. We trust in God's promises. We trust that God is doing what is right for us, even when We might not like the means, even when we don't understand the details, again, of what it is, right? And yet, despite all of the trial and the uncertainty that Joseph faced, okay, God was always blessing him. And every step, God was blessing him. We read in Genesis 39, um, during the time when Joseph was in prison in Egypt, says the keeper of the prison did not look into anything. That was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. This tells us something about what does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord. Joseph was in prison and the Lord was with him. Joseph was in prison and whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Right. Which you would imagine or you could think that, well, if the Lord is with me, then I shouldn't be in prison. If the Lord is with me, then he will break the bars of the prison. And he will let me out of prison and he will grant me freedom and he will answer my prayer. If you say that the Lord is with me, but I'm in prison, that seems kind of counterintuitive. Right. When we feel like we are having like an experience where it's kind of feeling like we're in prison, like we are trapped, where we are stuck, where we are in a difficult situation and there doesn't seem to be any way out. How is it that I could say in those times, well, the Lord is with me? Maybe those are the times where I feel like the Lord is not with me. And certainly... I probably would not say the Lord is making me prosper, right? How is this prosperity? How is that trial prosperity? How is that difficulty prosperity, right? This is another type of spiritual exile. In the world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is what Christ said, right? So to be in this exile, to be in this place, there is tribulation. This is the nature of the world. The nature of the world is difficulty. This is the nature of the world. This is what was promised to Adam and Eve by God from the very beginning that we will have trouble. There will be trouble here because this world is a troubling place. It simply is a troubling place. And it, it's not because God wants it to trouble us. It's not because God made it to be troubling. The world is as it is because of our sin, because this is how we have made it to be right through our wrong choices collectively not not as an individual not that god is like somehow punishing joseph for his actions no the collectively humanity has made the world as it is through our sin through our wrong choices and so we must suffer through this we must endure it but because we are suffering through it because we are enduring it because we are in exile right doesn't mean that the lord is not with us it doesn't mean actually that the lord is not making us to prosper because again Our definition of prospering is different than God's. You know, Joseph, when, you know, he was thrown into a well by his brothers, if you ask them, what is it that you want most in the world? He says, well, I just I want to get out of this well and I want to have a good relationship with my brothers. That was the whole context of his, uh, you know, his desires at that point. His understanding at that point is I just want to have a good relationship with my brothers. That's it. That's all I care about. Right, But God had a far greater plan for Joseph than, than that. His plan was, no, I, it's not just that I want you to have a good relationship with your brothers, but I want you to save all of humanity during a famine. And I want you to become a, a mighty ruler in Egypt. And I want you to make a place for your descendants so that they would grow and prosper and multiply in Egypt. And I've chosen you, Joseph, for all of, to do all of those things. But in order for that to happen, you have to get thrown into a well, you have to get th- you know um, uh, sold into slavery, you have to be thrown into prison. Those are all steps in this plan, and and this this plan took about 14 years to to, to 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 come to a to an end, for for in the end for for us to see how is it that God was using the situation with Joseph, right, in order to do good. So again, we are in exile. Sometimes we feel like the things that are happening to us in exile are painful, are difficult, are, are, are unfair. And yet, even while we are in this state, it says what the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. God can prosper us. God is with us. God is our exceedingly great reward, even while we are here in this place, right? So God is not wanting us to simply try to escape. Right, our troubles. He wants us to learn from our troubles. He wants us to remain faithful and patient in our troubles. To see God in them, to see God in them, even when we don't like the outcome, even though we don't like what's what's happening. Okay. Um. Another example is Daniel. Okay, Daniel was literally in exile because he was taken from the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, um, along with all the other. Uh, people into exile to Babylon as a punishment because of the sin of the people. Daniel himself was innocent. Daniel himself was not sinning. he didn't worship idols like the other uh, uh, Israelites, but he, because he was a citizen of Judah, was taken into exile to Babylon along with all the others. okay? Um, while he lived there in Babylon, we see in the book of Daniel like like an exemplary, exemplary example of someone who remained faithful to God even while the whole world around him was fighting him, was telling him that his relationship with God was useless, was like they, they outlawed his practices. They outlawed his prayer. They outlawed everything about him. And yet Daniel, because of his faithfulness, stood up against the whole rest of the world, to the point where even the pagan kings believed in God because of Daniel, okay? And, and we, we read when, when, when the, the kingdom had outlawed praying to, to God, we read that immediately, it says in Daniel 6, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, which is the law that outlawed the prayer, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. This is very relevant to us today. When we begin to see more and more all over the world and and here as well in the US, that our faith is being outlawed. Our faith is being ridiculed. That what we believe is being referred to as uh, delusion and hatefulness, and and more and more, what what we have always valued as Christians is becoming um, almost unlawful, and in some cl- cases truly unlawful and illegal and punishable for us to be faithful to God. Okay, so so he was surrounded by this pagan environment that punished him, that threw him in the lions den, that, that 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 sought to destroy him because of his faith, and yet because he remained faithful, God was able to use him to change the environment around him. You know, sometimes we, we talk about what is the means by which we can create good in the world, you know? Like how can we produce good in the world as Christians? Like we are called to be the light of the world, just as Christ is the light of the world. We are called to light the darkness. In what way will we light the darkness? In what means can we do so when we are in this exiled place in a place that all its rules are contrary to us and and, and, and that, that they hate us. How in what way can we do so? Okay. Well, we do so not by responding hate for hate. We do so not by responding reviling for reviling, right? Because in this way we have lost. Like if Daniel adopted the means of Babylon, right? then he would have lost. And actually, one thing that always strikes me in the book of Daniel is how respectful Daniel is. He is so respectful, even to the pagan kings, even to those people who are trying to kill him. He is so respectful and kind and generous to them, but he will not budge when it comes to obeying the law. When it comes to obeying a law that contradicts God's law, he will not budge at all. He is completely like like a rock when it comes to that. So, so we look at him as an example and we say, this is how we need to live. There was a time where you could be a Christian and it was relatively easy because there were so many of them and it wasn't considered outrageous to, to be one. More and more now, it's becoming outrageous. It's becoming outrageous to be Christian more and more in so many places over the world. It's becoming outrageous to be a christian it's becoming dangerous to be a christian and that's actually the status of christianity in the new testament is that it was dangerous and so we can learn from the early christians right this is truly a choice that i make i should not i should not dilute my faith by mixing it with the faith of or the the the, the values of the people around me instead i remain strong in my faith resilient in my faith not giving in regardless of what might happen to me this is because we are in exile right this is not our home this is the, the this world does not operate according to our values and that should not be something strange that should not be something unexpected right we are the, the we are called to 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 be against to be against the, the system of the world which is against god okay, so we ask our question this question is what is our native country Right. Because we say that someone who is exiled is someone who is taken away from their native country. What is our native country? Right. These people um, that we've spoken about, they were physically exiled from their homes. Right. They were physically taken from their homes. But even while they were taken from their homes, they were never separated from God. They were never taken from God. Nothing could take God away from them. You know, Abraham, regardless of where he went, he lived with a God with him. Joseph, whether he was living with his father, Jacob, whether he was in the well or whether he was in the prison or whether he was, you know, ruler of Egypt, God was with him. It didn't matter. Right. Daniel, whether he was in Judah, whether he was in um, Babylon, God was with him. It didn't matter. And he was the same person. Right. So we ask this question, you know, is this world our native country? Do we live according to the rules and the values of this world? Or do we live according to the values of God? What is more important to me, right? And if if my, if my truly I, I see myself as a citizen of heaven, then I can experience God with me at all times, regardless of where I go or what I do. And that's one of the ways that we kind of, we realize our need for God is because we are separated. We are separated from our home. And so more and more, I feel, the need of God that I need him to be with me so then we ask this question is do we want to return to heaven you know which might seem like a silly question we are always taught this idea it's like well heaven is a great place and we all want to be there right I, I want to go to heaven heaven is good okay but why is it good you know why is heaven good for what reason do we consider it to be good right um heaven certainly doesn't have in it a lot of the things that we might call good. A lot of the things that I do for entertainment is not found in heaven. Uh, A lot of the, the, the things that I value might not be found in heaven, right? As I said earlier, the reason that heaven is good is because God is present in it, right? God is present in it. And that is why we want to go there. And so if I truly want to be in heaven, if I truly see heaven as my home, that means that I see that God's presence is the most important thing. And if God's presence is the most important thing, then that means that I want God to be with me even now, even now during this time of exile. So for us to really um, uh, understand the kingdom of God, for us to truly desire the kingdom of God, for for us to want to live uh, here on earth as though it is heaven for us, right? because God is with us, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in us for this to happen, right? We speak about in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection, right? And that we are recreated in a new nature. It says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Like if we are earthly people, if we are only earthly, flesh and blood, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot enjoy the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not joyful. Is not enjoyable for someone who is flesh and blood because we are attached to this world as flesh and blood because we would prefer, as we are traveling on the road, simply to camp out where we are and stay there rather than to continue on the journey until we get to our destination. Flesh and blood enjoys this world, right? So, so, so it is it, it, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Right. So in in the in the corrupted state that we are in, we cannot inherit incorruption. Okay, But then he goes on and he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Right. He's speaking here about in the resurrection, in the second coming, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So in order for us to truly enjoy heaven, in order for us to desire heaven, in order for us to desire God's presence, in order for us to detach from this world and be willing to suffer for our faith, we must inherit uh, incorruption. We must experience the resurrection right? As Christians, we experience the resurrection. In baptism, we are resurrected. We live a life of sanctification, seeking to be changed, seeking for the Holy Spirit to work in us to transform us. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit, does this even matter to us, that I'm willing to put aside the world, the things in the world, the lusts of the world, the desires of the world, in order for me to look at heaven and to desire this as a place that I want to go. I want God to be with me at all times. I'm willing to leave everything behind like Abraham did in order to be with God. I'm willing to suffer like Joseph did in order to be with God. I'm I'm willing to remain faithful even in the midst of, of corruption, even in the midst of persecution like Daniel did. I'm willing to do all those things and I do it joyfully because I want God to be with me both now and I recognize that I am a citizen of heaven I am traveling on the road. I want to reach heaven. And right now I am in exile and I want to return again to my home. So, you know, we always need to remember again that we are on a journey. We are traveling. We are not in our homes and we need to live faithfully in order for us to return back again and in order for us to experience God's presence and experience God's joy with us at all times. May God grant us that we always remember this and to help us to be detached from all sinful influences in the world, and glory be to God forever. Amen.